Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hello and welcome to Series 4, Episode 6 of Recall the Midwife. I'm Alex. I'm Becky. I'm Jen. A reminder that this week's episode deals with chronic health issues, abortion, death and dying. So if those are topics you would prefer to skip this time, we understand and hope you join us for the next one. In this week's episode, Nurse Crane is on a mission to lighten the load of the nurses' district duties by instructing their diabetic patients how to administer their own insulin injections. She meets Paulette Rowland, and she surmises that Paulette is pregnant, much to her mother's horror. Due to the likely complications, Dr. Turner recommends that the pregnancy is terminated. The father of Paulette's baby is Vaughan Sellers, but her mother disapproves because he's turned, termed a wrong'un, having spent time in Borstal. But he's determined to turn his life around with the help of his parole offer, who's arranged an interview for him for an apprenticeship. Desperate to keep the baby, Paulette runs away, which puts her life at risk and threatens Vaughan's future. A group of Irish travellers have settled in Poplar, and when Peter visits to make inquiries about Nurse Crane's stolen hubcaps, Peter meets Breeder, a 16-year-old first-time mum. Sister Mary Cynthia and Trixie visit the camp to offer assistance and meet a tractor. A tractor is pregnant with her 11th child, and Sister Mary Cynthia delivers her a baby boy. Attractor's grandmother, Pegine, is on her deathbed, but she summons the energy to be there for the birth of Attractor's last child, having delivered her first. Sister Monica Joan is unwell, and upon Sister Evangelina's return to Poplar, she is put on light duties and told that she'll be nursing Sister Monica Joan, which leads her to struggle with her vow of obedience. Meanwhile, Mrs G joins the Civil Defence Civil Defense Corps and joins Fred and the group on their evening rounds. Fred eventually invites Mrs G to join him at a square dance, which is being held to raise money for the Cubs Jamboree. Sheila is feeling overwhelmed and asks the nuns for help, so name tags into Timothy's grammar school uniform. 
Okay, ladies, I, d- I don't know why I mentioned in my synopsis the fact that Sheila was feeling overwhelmed and went into so much detail about the name tags. <laughs> Can I just say I've got a really good uh, life hack for uh, for school, back to school stuff, if anyone's listening. Um, yeah. Not a sponsored ad. Um, <laughs> but um, we've got a, a stamp that you put the name in and it stamps it in with this ink that doesn't wash out. It's the best thing ever. And they have like a little... Um, like a little picture they chose. My daughter chose a pumpkin because she's spooky. But um, yeah, it's really good. Just that's my. Oh, you know what I? You know what I thought of because we we said how um your daughter is kind of a spooky little girl. She's like a little um, not not in looks at all, but she's like a little Wednesday Adams. She very much is like a Wednesday Adams. Yes. Yeah. Not. He's no begging to watch that. Oh my goodness. Well, yeah, it's a little mature for her, obviously, but yeah, yeah she's just she's got that got that energy for real. Now, I don't think one of the storylines we're going to cover in a lot of detail is probably Sheila feeling overwhelmed, wanting shorts for Timothy, even though he (laughs) wants more trousers. Um, But can we, when, at the point where Dr. Turner's like, if you need help, just ask. And then he basically just picks Angela up when he's crying and thinks he's done her the biggest favour in the world just by picking her (laughs) own belt. What he means is, just ask the nuns. (laughs) Yeah, don't don't ask me. Well, I thought he was going to thread a needle and like really get down into it with her. But he was like, no, 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 offload that to somebody else. Also, the other thing that made me laugh was when this was way earlier when she was feeling stressed and she was trying to feed Angela like applesauce or something for breakfast. And you could tell like the little girl who was playing Angela was like, no, I really don't want that because she kept on swatting it away. But Sheila was already back in her nurse's outfit because she was going to head into work. And Dr. Turner walks in and he goes, hello, nurse. Hello, nurse. Yeah. (laughs) And he has this really like intense looking look in his eye, and I was like, "Oh, so we're like getting into this part of their like, you know." Well, also, did you, did you about... find it a bit cringe though? Is it like when he referred to her as Auntie Sheila? <laughs> yeah. Well, I did, he says so. He says to okay. Now this is this is like a this is a kind of a thing I've been feeling for a while now. Like, I appreciate that Sheila has you know as Angela's mom and has like really taken over as like a mom in the household and everything and. You know, with Tim's mom having passed away, like, obviously, you know, Tim doesn't have another mother figure. You know, Sheila is really it. But it's, I I feel a little, I have to admit, even if, I'm sure it's probably correct for the time period, but I feel uncomfortable about the way that Dr. Turner, like, never mentions Tim's mom, never seems to honor, like, Tim's mother at all, or his ex, his, not ex-wife, like, you know, he's a widower, like, his former wife, um, and like, just like, because in the short pants conversation versus long pants conversation, he's like, well, did you ask your mother? And he's like, well, she does. Da, 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 da. And he's like, well, I know, but what did your mom say? And and I know that it's, I mean, it's okay for Tim to call Sheila mom, but I just wish there was some acknowledgement of Dr. Turner's wife and Tim's biological mother. Like, I just feel like it's like now she just never existed. And I don't know why, but that just makes me feel a little bit sad Hi, and uncomfortable. Jen. She's dead to them. Their memory left <laughs> Okay. <laughs> it's just it's just sad i just i don't know i just don't i just don't like it i i i, I just no i it is it is strange i wouldn't well we'll we'll see how it goes forward in because obviously in real life real life this is it's not real life either but in series 13 <laughs> or whatever it is obviously trixie's a stepmom now yeah yeah and jonathan so we'll see how it goes with that as well probably exactly the same as ignore it completely well the thing is they do make a bigger deal of yeah but we saw her, right that's yeah. true she was she um, was like she right. was part of the story but... on to the long trousers really quick um grammar schools are they a thing over there okay so this is this is something we can kind of cover more in detail in the listener special wink wink hint hint um 
Yes and no. It's it, the British the British and American systems in terms of the education that you get is very similar, but the way that it's organized and how people look at it is very very different. Right. If that makes sense. So, well, I'll just go in, I'll just go in a little more detail. So like they so when when there's a comment about like oh he, Tim got into grammar school isn't that impressive so how old is Tim supposed to be at this point 11 11 okay so even for the time period that we're talking about equivalent in the U.S. it would like there how do I say because it's primary school in the UK then high school and in these days there's still grammar schools out there you have to take exams to get into it but- right but they are state funded. But in these days, it was either secondary modern, like a comprehensive high school, if you didn't pass the 11 plus, or if you did pass the 11 plus, you got into a grammar school. My and parents if... both went to grammar schools. So, so but grammar you... schools, when you, because my aunt went to grammar school and then my mum did not. Um, <laughs> but grammar schools, would you have paid for that in those no. days? No. No. Whereas now it's more. Well, it depends like... where you are because there's not where I am. They don't take the eleven plus, and there's no grammar schools. But in some um, counties, there's still grammar schools. They're still free, and you still take the eleven plus. But what's the difference between a grammar school and that other option you guys just said? The, about? Secondary modern was more about trying to get people ready for apprenticeships and things like that. So if you don't pass the more academic exams, you go to the uh, secondary modern, and if you do pass it, you go to the more academic school, the grammar school, where it's all about trying to get you into university, basically. But as my mum says about my aunt, she might have gone to grammar school, but she's got no common sense. I hope your aunt's not listening. <laughs> wow, like inter interfamily drama there. Well, actually, my mum's my mum's family. My mum got in. My auntie in the middle didn't, but then my uncle did get in. Mm. So over here, and and I believe that this would be the same even back in the sixties, is that our system you have elementary school, which would take you up to about that same age milestone and then you would continue on to high school which would take you up to age 18 and then from from high school graduation then you would go to university or college um but the expectation was is that even even in the 1960s that you would that you know completing high school would be considered relatively compulsory like you wouldn't you wouldn't be able to like kind of avoid that but that a high school education would be kind of a baseline for you know just um you know, being able to still have a profession, even though um, not having higher education would preclude you from certain types of things, just like you guys having university education would mean something different career path wise. But us, we would have we like there would be no like two different schools for two different tracks in that high school type of years. Um, we wouldn't have that distinction. Like if you were in high school, you could take classes that were like um, preparing you for maybe like a trade or an apprenticeship or something like that. Um but high school is high school in the US, pretty much. Yeah. Well, it, I think the whole point of it was it was supposed to be more vocational in those days. It's not like that anymore, really. It's more yeah. like here, it's just, just high school. That's your free lot. Like, you can pay to go private and everything. Um, yeah. But, yeah. I think grammar schools now are a bit more like private schools because there's a grammar school in Bristol and you have to pay. I'm sure right. You have to pay that. Right. Maybe not all of them. Mm. Yeah, I, th- I think there's still some. And, and we, uh, there won't be many and we and we have a private school system obviously as well over here too you know so yeah fascinating so which, stuff so yeah so which storyline <laughs> are we doing first 
let's do well I've got a lot to say about um Pauline Rowland so do you want to do that Paulette. first oh yeah Paulette sorry sure right, we on. can do that first yeah go ahead I was excited to say because last week you said you were you had a lot to say so I'm excited yeah you're gonna drop the hammer backs just the level well the Firstly, I loved Sister, um, oh my God, I'm getting everything wrong. I loved Nurse Crane when they were talking about the diabetics and she was like, Molly coddled the lot of them. (laughs) (laughs) And I do have some sympathy for Paulette because like being diabetic must be so difficult to manage. I don't have any experience of it, but I imagine in the 60s, it must have been even harder so I do have a lot of sympathy for Paulette, but also she's a very entitled young lady. Well, I've got a thing here. Paulette is entitled because she was saying how she's entitled. We're entitled to free care on the NHS. And I said, Paulette is entitled. Oh, yes. She's a horrible, entitled little cow. Yeah. Yeah. Very pampered kind of little, not little girl. She's not a little girl, but she's, yeah, she's very pampered, I think. Yeah, but she's the way she acts. She's bratty, isn't she? Yeah. Really, and I just... Really. And even as the story progresses, I just don't warm to her all the way through it. But Vaughn, mm-hmm. I mean, he's obviously comes from a family who's got a bad reputation in Poplar, but he is trying to turn his life around. Oh, I know. I don't see what he sees in her. I, I no, don't either. I don't, I don't well, either. She's good looking, obviously. They're terribly matched, though. Like, <laughs> ugh, Yeah. Yeah. Well, I'll just I'll just butt in. So I when you had said that um you were really mad about this storyline like last week when we were talking about it, I thought it was going to be someone who was mismanaging their diabetes, like they weren't taking insulin and they weren't taking care of themselves. I thought that's what you were going to get mad about. But then when I watched this episode, I was like, "Oh, I I see I see why why you'd be frustrated with her." And just to give a little bit of context because um, I actually hadn't really kind of put this all together, but my father was diabetic and he was um, about 17 when he was diagnosed. And so he would, he was diagnosed right about this time, actually, like 1960s. Was he pregnant when he got diagnosed? <laughs> he was, <laughs> amazingly. No, <I'm> just... <laughs> and, um, and, and he's, he told me a lot of stories, um, you know, in our family about kind of what that diagnosis meant, what led up to it and everything. But he had probably the same type of diabetes that Paulette has. And one of the things that he had to do was from the word go, he had to learn how to give himself insulin injections and practice that. And it was, it was way more complicated then than it is now, obviously. Um, but it was, it was a really strict lifestyle. You know, he had to change a lot of stuff about how he lived in order to manage it appropriately. And I mean, obviously as a man, he didn't have to worry about any kind of reproductive complications in that sense. But um to me, what was really frustrating was, and I hope this isn't jumping ahead too much, but what was really frustrating was when um, Paulette, you know, obviously knew then that she was pregnant. She got the confirmation of the pregnancy test back. They, you know, they talked to her about abortion, which I get, that's a complicated part of this. And we will discuss that in further too. But she hadn't even like considered the pregnancy thing either. It was Nurse Crane who had. So that's how immature she was. Yeah. So when Nurse Crane visited her, she was suffering from sickness and then Nurse Crane was suspicious because all of her... Um, blood sugar levels were okay but she was still being mm-hmm. sick mm-hmm. so nurse crane sends off a pregnancy test and which comes back positive mm-hmm. and then uh, the bit that i loved is when her mum and starts to say to her you stupid little and you think she's gonna <laughs> say you stupid little girl but no she's like you stupid little slut <laughs> <laughs> her mother was admittedly like a really tough <laughs> 
not very nice lady. I mean, I you kind of see where she got a lot of it from. Yeah. Also, do you know what else I really loved? When my mum was all stressed, um, sis, Nurse Crane being like, go outside and have a smoke. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a 1960s <laughs> stress reliever option isn't it oh man well and I, and I love how i love how she was like well i don't have any cigarettes right now as it happens and then she's like i think you'll find you can get one off dr turner he's right outside your front door why don't you give him a nod and say it's time to come in and i was like oh nurse crane nothing gets by you you are a legendary for thinking ahead of everyone yeah so Dr. Turner admits Paulette to the maternity hospital. Yeah. Um, I mean, really, just to separate her from her mother, because neither of them are helping each other. No. But also bearing in mind, the medical advice here is to have a, have a termination. Yeah. 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 So, and, and, and admittedly, complication even now in pregnancy from being diabetic as a pre-existing condition does, I mean, it, it is a very, very complicated, um, very, very complicated health, well, health situation. Well, I have some, so. some insight here. Um, okay. Not I wasn't diabetic or anything, but I watched Teen Mom. I'm <laughs> <laughs> one of the mums on oh, there. Oh no! Oh no! More bad medical advice. <laughs> yeah, no. One of the mums on there. She was diabetic, type one diabetic. So obviously prior to getting pregnant. Yeah, and um, okay. and her mum was all exactly the same as Paulette's mum. Like this is really dangerous for you. Yeah, um, and her baby was something like ten pound fifteen or something like that. Oof. Yeah. And then she got pregnant another two times after that. So there you go. Well, do you guys remember the movie Still Magnolias? Have you ever watched the movie Still Magnolias? No, I haven't. Okay. Well, the premise Years of that movie. Years ago. Yeah. So this that, that movie came out in either, I think it was early 90s when that movie came out. And it's a, it's a movie um, about, a, about a group of women. And it's all, it's like four or five different women. Shirley MacLaine, Dolly Parton, Sally Field. Um, and then Octavia. I can't remember the fourth Julia one. Julia Roberts in there? Well, Julia Roberts plays Sally Field's daughter and, oh. and and Julia Roberts' character in the movie is a type 1 diabetic who gets married and wants to have a baby and her mom is like, no, 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 you can't do that. Like, you're going to hurt yourself. Like, you're a really, really, really sick person and your a pregnancy will just make you even sicker. And she decides to go ahead and ha- get pregnant anyway. I mean, I'm going to say spoiler alert, but like the movie came out like literally 30 years ago. So if you haven't <laughs> seen it, I don't know what to tell you at this point. But, <laughs> but anyways... Um, the pregnancy really complicates um, Julie Roberts, you know, health overall, and it you know leads to this really massive health decline, and then she then she dies actually, which is really really sad. Um, okay. It's a it's a great great movie, but again, like again, this is a very specific to me thing. But that movie came out, and I remember as a teenager, I wanted to rent it from Blockbuster. And my mom, for a long time, was like, no, I don't want you to see that movie. I don't want you to see that movie. She's like, I don't like the storyline in that movie. And she was just really, she was, because of the whole thing about being diabetic and then dying and da-da-da, she just thought it was, like, a really bad idea for us to watch it. I did end up watching it. I actually really liked the movie. I understand my mom's objections, but, like, I ended up, I mean, it's, there's a lot of other stuff happening in that movie, too, but um but, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very, very serious. So, as Teen Mom and Steel Magnolias will attest... It's a very complicated health diagnosis to have to do with Well, pregnancy. also, that's the film I'm probably going to watch with my daughter because she loves a bit of death. So, uh... <laughs> you, can, you can just put it on right after we finish recording this, to be honest. <laughs> oh, it's her bedtime, but save it for tomorrow. Say, she's she in bed, but yeah. yeah. Yeah, save it for when she gets home from school one day this week. You know, that'll be really good. <laughs> no, but what got me is obviously Paulette decides she's going to run away. She's going to be admitted to hospital to have an abortion and she mm-hmm. decides she's gonna run away this is what annoys me yes this is the part this is the part where i feel mad too well yes. also vaughn um has a big serious interview on fleet street becoming a, a trainee apprentice he's already been in borstal 
At the printmaker, I think it's. Yeah. It's a printmaker, yeah. Yeah, after and he's, so he's, sorry, go on. His parole officer really impressed with him. He's doing really well. Like, he's really, he just wants to turn his life around. And he's being he honest. Want, Every yeah. time we see him, he's wearing a crisp, like, suit. He looks really put together, like, clean shaven, hair combed, everything. He looks so professional. Every time we see him, he's always looking nice. Although in that respect, he did remind me a bit of the Craig brothers. <laughs> <laughs> now, wait a minute. Those are those are two brothers that are like gangsters, right? In 1960s? Yeah. 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 Okay. Okay. So <laughs> I watch anyway, I watched the thing about them, but I don't know if everyone know who they are, but yeah, that's right. Uh, what she's just so ill prepared. I mean, I understand the urgency. I understand why she has to run away because she's going to be admitted to hospital. So she has to, she's just completely, she knows the condition. She's completely unprepared. Yeah. She's also just so immature. I just really did not like her at all. Well, the thing is, I mean, you know, Nurse Crane says this to her, she doesn't say this explicitly, but, you know, there's kind of the implied thing of like, what do you think you're going to do about this? Like, you're going to have this baby and then do what? And then how? And then who's going to take care of you when you're sick? You're not, I mean, like, it's like, when and when Paulette, I mean, what really made me mad is when, when um Vaughn comes in and Paulette is like packing up to go and everything and he's like wait you're gonna leave and she's like well it's easier to run away from here than it is the hospital and he's like oh he's like but I can't go I have my print thing in the morning and she's like well listen I'm going with that with or without you and I was just like Paulette are you kidding me like this man is doing everything to get himself ready so that you guys can be together in the long term and you're just gonna like throw that away without thinking and what really pissed me off was that then they're sitting in the woods which like what's the plan there okay you're gonna run away and do what go where with what money I mean just the lack of even thinking about like one step ahead was extremely frustrating also, he was like have another girls. apple and she's like yeah that won't do like and he's there tell him beforehand so you can go to a bakery but, but also, what did she think she was going to do about it? Like, what what food had she planned to bring with her for that? You well, know, I think that's like, the whole point. She's very sheltered, isn't she? Her mum does everything for her. But oh. also, how did they end up in the woods? Where are, where are the woods? It's like last week when Dr. Turner was, like, on the cusp of a breakdown. He just ended up in the countryside, sat on the bonnet <laughs> of his car. And I was just like, you're in, in the same. city London. <laughs> well, there are, like, got parks the train and stuff somewhere, like that. Didn't they? Right? Well, he had to. They had to drive back because he had to steal the car to have them drive yeah. back. Because yeah, they got the train back. somewhere. What well, annoyed me about that was instead of stealing the car, by the way, like oh, Nurse Crane was like, "Oh, you did the right thing. You did the right thing." Driving all the way without her to then literally come to a thing to a to like dance, disturb the dance, go and get him, then going back. Surely just no. go to a phone box and no, ring he, an ambulance. Put, no, no, he, no, he, he did put her. he put her in the car and oh, drove did he, back guys? Sorry, I missed that with bit. her. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. he took her. He took her back to the maternity hospital where Sister Evangelina was on duty, and then she sent him to the dance. Right, while she Turner. looked after it. Yeah, yeah. just started... ring an ambulance, surely, rather than steal a car. Well, I mean, to Becky's point, maybe they were in the country and there was no phone box nearby to ring an ambulance. And where would they? Where he would he even say for them to go to? You know, I just, she in... was so thoughtless. Just and it just frustrated me so much because he was well, so desperately trying to turn his life around and he was actually achieving it. And actually, they ended up no further forward because well, this, this is exactly the part that like really sent me to the moon was that I was watching the episode and like the and then Paulette's sitting there with the white gown in the hospital with her mother holding her hand. Her mother's all of a sudden now like very contrite and like, oh my god, we got to work this out, let's find a way to go forward together. And actually, I, I will say there is a way, one way forward, a mother was a lot more accepted of Vaughn. Yeah. 
True, but I mean, like, I, I agree with you. I completely agree with you. But all this for what, uh, what, you know, like, who paid the price? He did, ultimately. I mean, that was the thing. Like, they ended up exactly where they started, except now his life is so much worse. So it's like, even if the mom came around, well, now he's even worse off than he was before. And this, Jen, is, this is probably going to be a good lesson for life with her. She's a horrible bitch. Like, this well, is a good lesson just, to learn yeah, because but, your um, life's going to be crap because of her. She's horrible. Yeah, they should break up. He deserves so much better. But did you guys get a scene about what happened to him? Because all I saw in my episode was that, like, he missed his appointment. And then they were like, well, you can either call your parole officer or you can call the print shop. And he's like, well, I don't want to call either of them. I want to call the hospital to find out if she's okay. Which I'm like, oh, okay, okay, you're whatever. But then, um, <laughs> and then it was kind of like he was just carted off. And I and I didn't hear anything else about him. And that was kind of where no. the ended. Did we? Did you guys get more than that? No, and I was going to ask about this no. as well. So he calls Nurse Crane and she says that she's going to make sure that she speaks up for him in court and they know what he did and why right. he did it. Right. But yeah, we didn't get any, there was no kind of finality to that for us either. So oh, basically so hashtag justice for Vaughn. Yeah, really. And hopefully he he and they ended up getting torn apart and then he just figured out his life and did better and just end up with someone yeah. else because my god, Paula, jeez, get your head out of your butt. I mean, I will say I'm glad that I'm not okay. I I'm not glad she had an abortion in the sense of that, but I am glad that she was not going to have to deal with the the complications and everything of one going through pregnancy and then two being a parent. I mean, she clearly was not ready for that. Like she, she needed to be, you know, she needed time to mature as well, which is what she was going to get at the end of her storyline. Oh, but then you guys, we can't forget to talk about. So Vaughn. So at the beginning of the episode, um, nurse crane comes out and she's like, where are all my hubcaps? And she interrupts. Fred just and got written down here, hubcaps. That's what I was going to say. There you go. There you go. So she goes over to Fred and Peter, who are just like shooting the breeze and everything. She's like, are you two doing anything? And they're like, and Fred is like, oh, well, I'm putting new, um, you know, wheels on. This is on, on Sister Evangelina's bike. And Peter was like, yeah, I was also doing stuff like I'm busy or whatever. And she's like, well, I just love that scene with those two just chatting. I know. And she's like, well, can you get busy like finding my hubcaps? Because they're all gone on my car. And he's like, oh, OK. And he's like, bye, Fred. I guess I got to go like look at something. And so then the, she's got no hubcaps. Hubcaps. Well, that's when Peter goes over to the traveler's camp, which we'll get to. But so Vaughn, the, his little brothers are the ones that stole the hubcaps off of the Phyllis's car. So he brings them back to Phyllis and he's putting them back on her car for her and they start chatting. And she clearly he has a soft there as well. She's like, put them back on. It's like, I brought them to you, mate. Like, if I did that for someone, are we bloody putting them back on the car for him? Um, no, no I, I, think, I don't know. I, I, I think that's Phyllis fair. on this because they didn't find them just in a pile in a bag on the street him. he did the right thing and then he's in trouble so she's basically done the same to him he did the right thing well, no, she but she doesn't him. know that it wasn't him he's, he well, didn't he said say it well he he's the one who has to bear the responsibility i think is what she's yeah. trying to intimate and, I and think, like you know i you don't have think to... phyllis is the wrong here i don't think she's in the wrong for saying put them well, back on. both wrong carry on uh, okay well no, but anyways, and then, but what, what it really prompts is an opportunity for them to kind of talk to each other. And Vaughn is like, well, you know, I'm really trying to better myself. I'm doing all of this stuff and everything. And he's like, do you think that, you know, like that um, Paulette's mom is like acting, you know, out of line or what, you know, what do you think and everything? He's like, I just don't want my child to be born a you know what, which, you know, out of wedlock, basically an illegitimate child. And, um, and Phyllis says, well, I know what you mean, but she's, you know, she's like, I have some experience with this. And he's like, oh, did you, you know, did you have like a relationship with someone like me back in the day? And she said, no, no, no. I was somebody like you 
back in the day. She's like, I was a you know what when I was born and it was really tough. And a lot of people judged me and everything. She's like, I had to make, you know, a better life for myself, which I did. So she's like, I know how hard it is. And it was just, uh, it was just, and and you could tell that really kind of got to him because he could really see, you know, it, it just telegraphed a lot, you know, both like a lot about her character, but then like it gave him an opportunity to see somebody who had really risen beyond the circumstances they were born into. Well, also, did you notice they, they had like a, they did it with the rats the other day that made me uncomfortable, but this time they kind of <laughs> did one to people who were born illegitimately and travellers. Mm. They were oh, kind of yeah. trying to say it. there was a, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for? I don't like, know what look- well, no, because I've written down, because there's the, I thought there were two things. There was the fact that Peter immediately suspected um, the travellers' kids. And yeah. he, he goes to the camp and kind of says, like, they can be, like, it's school holidays. They can be little tearaways, like, keep an eye on them. So it's just the way that Peter immediately suspects that it's them when actually it's just local children. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you- also, we're obviously going to touch on the other um storyline is the fact that Breeder is 16 and married and it just how they treat her compared to how they treat Paulette okay, who's the same sort of age but unmarried yeah now, wait oh, so we're gonna move on to the traveler's storyline now right yeah or if you're Peter let's call them tinkers because how how <laughs> awful is that <laughs> well well this is just a, this is just a kind of a, a quick pause for the transition that I um, I'm going to request. So can you guys kind of explain a little bit about about travelers and what that means in, in British society? Because that's a very British thing. I don't think that it was it. If you, I don't I don't I, I, that, that's not really a thing in the US. Oh, it is. You know. I'll tell you for why. I'll tell you how I know, because I watch big fat gypsy weddings and things like that over <laughs> here uh, on Channel 4. And they have big fat gypsy weddings in America as well. I, I yes that yes but I well isn't okay I don't I don't know enough about this group of people but isn't gypsy kind of a derogatory term at this point? Uh, tinker is um, gypsy. They sometimes call themselves it, but usually it's travelly. Called people are called travellers. I think people. I think people know. Well, okay. Do you guys still have travellers in the in the UK though? A hundred percent, yes. And and is it is it a relatively thriving population of people? Oh yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Okay, because because I I would have to say, I in the U.S. I mean I, I think if you said to someone like what's a gypsy they would know, but to me that's a culture that is so so minor at this point. Like I don't think there's a lot of representation in the population that would fall into that category. I don't think most Americans would have ever met a person in that in that lifestyle or or even known like culturally the history. Yeah, of so it travelers the, are basically that, you know travelers are basically a subculture, a group of people who are who travel around so they live in caravans or is it like a, like, a, like a nomadic uh you know cult, yeah. cult society there's some, there's some people who still identify as travelers but live in houses now um because they're from well, those, not they're houses, those but there's, they have kind of static homes don't they like no they live in houses caravans. as well like on the on the i'm quite an expert i watch big fat gypsy weddings quite a lot uh, <laughs> <laughs> but then you do have travelers who have it more of a nomadic lifestyle yes. because in all of the areas like around me, wherever there's a patch of open ground, the council are always trying to put massive boulders and stuff to stop yeah. the so massive sites. There's still quite a lot of stigma mm-hmm. um, surrounding travellers. Um, and um, like obviously it, the police call it, them tinkers in, in the 60s. Do you know what I mean? 
But is there is there a racial or religious or cultural or you know usually geographical connection to them? Usually, okay. usually Irish Catholic. Uh, there's Romani gypsies as well, but usually over here it's Irish Catholic. Okay, and, and now, there is again, near me yeah. every year. There's um, Romani gypsies who still got the traditional caravans and like the shy horses. Mm. And every year they'll come back. So they, I think they, I don't know. I don't know anything about this, but they always come back once a year. So whether they've got like a regular, like they move from place to place and they revisit the same places. Yeah. Mm. And it's a very insulated community, I'm, I yes. I would think. Yeah. And also yeah. the same with Breeder. It's still, it's still very common to get married very early and the women mm-hmm. give up work and just look after the children. That, that's their prime, and the house and the, and the caravan. Mm. But that's mm-hmm. their primary, like, job in life but it's, it, there's quite a lot of school dropouts but like that was about age 14 for the girls mm, mm, okay yeah I'm sure I'm sure that kind of community exists in the U.S. I just I just don't think it's very common in terms of you know like people knowing about it you know it's just it was very different but anyway so so the specific storyline so let's get into that can we talk about Breeders newborn that is the most newborn baby I've seen on this show as well. <laughs> <laughs> very sweet little gorgeous little thing yeah 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 attractive little baby was so cute too i know do you recognize i do i do who is she al where do you hang on do we recognize her from the same place i recognize her from a very famous 90s film Uh, anyone else no, no, I think I recognize her from something that you will not think of what what did you recognize her from well she's maria doyle kennedy she's from the commitments yes 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 yeah yes, she was yes, national yes. commitments and she was the most amazing singer um and i just I, I was obsessed with that film i watched it a billion times i've mm-hmm. got the soundtrack listen to it still now still listen to her songs all the time she's brilliant yeah yeah she's she's done so many things like she's been in so many oh, yeah. TV shows and movies and everything like that she's hugely prolific yes yes she's great she's really really great oh her 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 her, i mean brita was kind of a a gateway storyline and then it really it shifted to attracta and pegeen is that the grandmother's name you know they that was really who took over kind of once the initial connection with the with the nonsense was um made and everything and then cynthia starts visiting attracta and taking care of her and everything i'd say how perfect was sister mary cynthia for this as well for this oh also can i say has either of you heard the name attracta before no. no, I hadn't, and I'm glad I'm not pregnant while this is going on because I'd have been like, "Oh, tractor." <laughs> <laughs> but when I when I came to see this, I wrote the synopsis and I was fine with that. And then when I came to say the names, I was like, "It doesn't sound like I'm pronouncing them correctly." <laughs> well, all of so the apologies all of, for that. Yeah, there was an Irish accent were... though as well, which does make it a bit different. Yeah. Um. Yeah, all of those names were very unusual to me for sure. But but the thing that was so sweet is that, you know, Cynthia is talking to her about, you know, having babies and everything. And that's when, you know, just like you said in your synopsis, like Attracta says something like, you know, my grandmother, I didn't really know my mother that well, but my grandmother was the one that kind of raised me, gave me everything. She's like, she gave me these gold hoops, which were always something that we could use if times got really tough. And she's like, the fact that I still have them means that times never got tough enough for me to have to sell them, you know, to kind of like keep things going, which is a credit to her because she always kept us kind of above water and stuff in that way. And now it's my turn to care for her. And, you know, Attracta had already had many kids, but, you know, like she was on her last and she was like, you know, she helped me with my first and now, you know, she's kind of not doing well. And I think she might be close to dying. And so, you know, I want to give her everything and I want to, you know, give her tea out of the China that she's had when she got married. And it, oh, it just, 
it was just it was just so sweet I mean just the love between those two women and just the way that she cared for her and then so I'll just fast forward sorry because this is when I really started crying and I know we all cry during these shows but like when Attracta goes into labor Cynthia is like let me you know help you and she goes into the other can I just say one point about the labor so so they're trying to evict um the uh, travelers the police and the council are trying to evict the travelers and they're trying Mm -hmm. to move them on but uh, a tractor goes into labour. Now everyone's all like fighting and everything outside. Mm-hmm. And Sister Mary Cynthia is all stern to Peter, being like, "We're not going anywhere. You need to stop it." As if men, like as if men would stop anything for that. But labour, women, a woman being in labour would not stop the men doing any of that. Like that. Just I was just like, how unrealistic. Anyway, sorry. Carry on. Labor, I think if Sister Mary Cynthia had said that in her former life as Cynthia, I think it would have had no impact but I think Ooh. I think the fact that she's a nun I think that's what gave her the authority the gravitas oh nice yeah. no, I like that I like that well I think it helped that when she was walking a tractor from Pegeen's trailer or camper whatever it was to hers they could see that she was visibly and I think that's when people were kind of like oh ooh, ooh, wait a minute like let's just pause here I so, oh, I'm so- sorry but I just still don't think men would stop men don't care but also yeah, those later when <laughs> Sister Mary Cynthia comes back to visit Pegeen, um, like they show her respect. So I do think a lot of it is the fact that she's a nun. Oh, I, th- I, I think that's right. I- hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Ready to start talking to your kids about financial literacy? Meet Greenlight the debit card and money app that teaches kids and teens how to earn, save, spend wisely, and invest with your guardrails in place. Parents can send instant money transfers, automate allowance, and more. Plus, keep an eye on spending with real-time notifications. Join more than 6 million parents and kids building healthy financial habits together on Greenlight. Get your first month free at greenlight.com ACAST. That's greenlight.com ACAST think that is very true yeah but just, just yeah i feel say... like if if Trixie, because it was her and Trixie who first turned up as well and i feel like if they didn't have the nun habit you're right they wouldn't have had the same they wouldn't have been able to get in in the first place sorry jen carry on no no it, it's true i mean i the the i think i think you know they probably had a connection you know with like a deep religious tradition that was kind of giving her a different you know level of like respect and gravitas that other people wouldn't have but the thing that really got me going was that attracta was giving birth and 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 one thing in the storyline that stopped them from fighting was that you could hear her screaming and then when the baby cried for the first time that's when everyone was like whoa and they and they all cheered and everything and so that was kind of a big milestone and Pegeen gets up out of her bed. We've literally only ever seen this woman in her bed the whole episode. Yeah. She gets up out of her bed. She's got her nightgown on, her dressing gown on. She opens the door to her trailer. She walks down the steps. One of the men comes over to her. She's like, no, 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 I'm going to do this myself. And she walks across the tra- to the trailer where Attracta has just given birth. She opens the door and she meets her, well, effectively her grandchild, her youngest great, grandchild. Great grandchild. Oh, great grandchild. Great grandchild. Eleven. Oh, my goodness, girls. Like... 
like just this the beauty of that like when she got up out of her bed and was so like brought back to life by the desire to meet the baby and like visit with her granddaughter and then that was oh and you know what it really took me back to is the scene um with oh god I can't remember her name but the girl who came back to be with her dad at the end of his life when she lived over the bar with him remember they've been estranged yeah Yeah, and yeah was it Elizabeth sure and um he got (laughs) And he goes, and he's like holding the baby, and he says, "Oh, you know, like Masterson's, 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 Julia, Julia, Julia Masterson, yeah." And and he goes, "Oh, you know, I'm so glad to meet you. You're just coming, but I'm about to go." And it just, oh, you did make me cry again. Oh my god, it was, it was, it was just sending me. It was absolutely sending me, like just, like, and and truly, just a word for the fact that sometimes you do not have to have anything said. All you have to do is show what is being done and it will just absolutely like just tear you apart. I mean, it the It reminded of, me of Be- me oh. and Bex. So whenever there's a brand new baby, me and Bex basically fight over who's going to hold it first. <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's why we're jealous of, of Jen's family because there's baby twins. So oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. You get one each. I will, I will tell you, like, so when my brother and sister, when my sister and brother-in-law found out they were going to have the twins, it was like, oh my goodness, like a lot of, you know, kind of like, whoa, 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 whoa. But there have been so many times where I'm like, thank goodness there's two. Otherwise, we would not be having a good time because we cannot share. Like, we need two of these babies at all times. So everybody has somebody to hold. It was so sweet. The other thing I loved about that scene, Jen, you said earlier about the fact that um, they give gold because they are able to sell it when they fall on tough times. When yeah. you see Peen walking across the yard, she's got the biggest pair of gold hoops on. Yes, yes. Now, I love I've got, that. So the scene at the end when they burn, they, so in tradition, in traditional um, traveler families, they burn, especially with the wooden um, caravans. Are they called caravans if they're wooden? I don't know. Anyway, um, but they burn the, the, the body in the caravan. And uh, my mm. daughter walked in on that scene. <laughs> oh, <laughs> she, like, she loved it. She absolutely loved it. She was like, what are you doing? <laughs> and I was like, they're burning a caravan. Why are they all watching it burn? I was like, well, actually, I, to be honest, it's my own fault. I was too in-depth with a five-year-old. I said, a body's in there, but it's not real. And she was like, why are they burning the body? I was like, because she's already dead. And she was like, oh, can I do that when I die? <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, mate, go for it. <laughs> sure, whatever you want. It's your choice, you know? Listen. <laughs> oh man oh, I mean, you I often I... see that in films and things where i'm thinking of the film troy um yes. which is quite a segue but they do burn bodies in that and i just think oh the smell oh that's a you good know. point i had never thought about that well also I mean... you know the uh in, when they actually sorry to go a bit dark here but you know when they do um cremations over here like i don't know if mm-hmm. this is the same in, Aust- in america i'm sure it will be but you know the um, coffins have like all the metal and everything on them. It's actually not yeah. metal; it's plastic because the metal they take all metal away because it doesn't get to the burning point the same. So they literally don't have any metal in there when it goes into the furnace. Oh, wait a minute. So, so they don't just cremate the body; they cremate like the box the body's in. Yeah, that's re- really. Yeah. Okay, I'm sure. I'm. Sh- I totally believe you. I, I, I didn't. I thought they just cremated the body, and that was it. I didn't think they put anything. I didn't think they put the body in anything. Well, now and... I'm doubting myself, but I was told that. And now, if anyone does cremation, can you let us know? <laughs> let us know. 
I mean, it makes sense maybe for for like sanitation purposes because obviously there's like a biohazard element that you could potentially run yeah. into if you don't have a, a contained, you know, um, a, a contained thing there. Um, not a great way to word that, but you know what I'm saying. I so like it. I, it maybe <laughs> it makes sense, but I literally have never crossed my mind before. I always just thought it was, you know, the just other thing some... with with home cremations. Surely you've got to get that up to a certain temperature. Well, and you have to maintain the you have to maintain it for a, a, an appropriate amount of time because I mean it takes a long time. Yeah, you're not just going to end up with a pile of ash in lighter fluid. I don't know. I don't know. Oh God! I think well, they know what they're just, doing. They're doing it for centuries. Well, but also, like the risk of arson. I mean, what happens if something else catches on fire? I mean, I just I the thing is, if the police had a problem with them. <laughs> Not having a permit for just living there, I can't think that they were okay with like literally burning a whole caravan down in the middle of it as well. And then just like having that unsanctioned, like un, you know, like. um... But then they moved on. Now, you probably, this was a deleted scene. Did you see the scene where Sister Mary Cynthia comes back and they've all gone? Oh, actually, we did get that scene. Uh, We did did not get the cremation scene. We got the scene where Cynthia, Cynthia comes back and she gets the teacup, which was very, very sweet. You would have been a mess because you missed the singing as well. They sang while they, <sighs> and it was very evocative. Sure it, it was, it was sure nice. My daughter did love that as well. <laughs> <laughs> our, our little Wednesday Adams. Yeah, yeah, right there. Yeah. Oh, man. No, it was really heartbreaking. The whole thing really, really got me going. It really did. Um, yeah. It was, it was now, weird. did Cynthia accept the teacup? Yes, uh, she said. She said, "I will. I, I'm not really allowed to accept this because I'm not allowed to have possessions." And then a be- Begina, Begira, Brida, Brida says, "Well, just consider it that it's that like we're just loaning it to you for a while, so it's not really yours." See, I thought that she gave it on to someone else, so maybe that comes on to the next episode because I was looking uh, out for that at the end of this episode, being like, huh. "Where's the where, who's she giving it to?" And then nothing oh. happened. So. Just watch out for that teacup because I think it does. Because I'm pretty positive she does give it to someone or it goes to okay. get sent oh, to Jenny okay. or something. Maybe, maybe in the next episode or two, we'll see it. Yeah, how she just smashes it ritualistically around the corner. <laughs> <laughs> also, at the very start, <laughs> that makes that would make no sense. <laughs> You're just saying things now. <laughs> That's my whole life. Um, <laughs> isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? <laughs> I feel, I feel hurt. Um, seen so complicated. No, no, just feel very sad. Um, <laughs> at the start, old Jenny Lee says religious yeah. life isn't for me. Um, and it mm-hmm. got me thinking, like, I don't think it's for me. I think I swear too much. But do you think either of you could do religious life? Like the actual, no. I, know, I know we're not, like Jen's obviously more religious than we are, but I mean, <laughs> like the actual act of living in a nunnery, being told what to do. Sometimes I think it's quite nice being told what to do and you don't have to think. No, because a lot, I couldn't do the hours of like contemplation. Yeah, true. And meditation. Sure. Yeah. I, I think... couldn't be quiet. I definitely couldn't be quiet. <laughs> um... You know, I, actually, I have to say, I think, I think Sister Evangelina kind of spe- like kind of voiced this when she was doing the labels with Sister Winifred, because yeah. she's like, I, she's like, I, the poverty part doesn't really bother me, which like I get it because if you have clothes, food, shelter, you know, like, well, also care, she grew up poor, 
Yeah, like I to me, like you take a vow of poverty, but you still have all your basic needs met. So like I get how that could be. I could, you know, you could kind of get used to that or deal with that okay. Um you have a vocation, which I think would really help me. I I don't think I could just purely dedicate myself to, you know, kind of like reading scripture, singing and all that kind of stuff. Like you'd want to be doing something that you said about about. chastity. You've offered that up. You don't really think about it again. Which I completely get that 1000%, (laughs) you know, Um, (laughs) I won't say more. I'll just leave it there. Um, And then, but the, but the thing she says, which I think I would really be struggling with is, you know, like you kind of don't get to choose the direction of your life because you have to go where they send you to go. They have to, you have to kind of follow the, um, the dictates of, you know, church mission basically. And um, that is something that we see. I mean, Tom confronted that last week when the Bishop came, that's something that we'll see in future episodes. Sister Julian's really worried about, you know, like a, a change in kind of, you know, the organization of things and, you know, people getting moved around, reassigned, sent other places and stuff like that. And that would really bother me. I wouldn't, I wouldn't like the feeling that someone could kind of just pick me up and put me down. It was a really lovely scene, wasn't it though? Like, I just thought that was a really good scene. It was a beautiful scene. It was a beautiful yeah. scene. And I think, I think again, I mean, we've talked about this before, but like one thing I, I really like is um, I think, I think not a lot of people, especially if you're not in a religious or a spiritual framework, think about, you know, the real challenges of that choice as a lifestyle. And this was a scene where they really talked about it, I thought, in a very honest way, but also in a very, um, you know, like loving way, but also like acknowledge the challenges of it. You know, it's like you don't just put the habit on and then all of a sudden you're, you know, like that's it. You're done. I mean, you're still a living, breathing person who's really struggling with not struggling, but you're still, you know, you're still you know you still have have, wants and needs and thoughts yeah human desires and you know like everything like that I thought but the line that really got me was and we already know this about sister Evangelina but she says to sister Winifred she says the beauty of midwifery is a light that will never dim and I and I just was like oh my god you just did you notice sister Winifred's face though she wasn't like in full agreement right but she struggled with midwifery before hasn't she yeah yeah, mm-hmm. well, all I'm saying mm-hmm. is keep that in mind for future episodes. Also, yeah. can I just say another thing that I, one of my favorite things about Call the Midwife mm-hmm. is these scenes where it's just women chatting to each other. I just love it. Yes. And I just, I well, just think, oh, I love it I'll so much. I'll say amen to that, sister. Yeah. But <laughs> on the flip side of that, one of, yeah. I've got a note because we've touched on the fact that um, there's a square dance because. Oh, on the Saturday night, God. everybody's at the square dance. So Patsy's organised it to raise money for the Cubs so that they can go on their annual jamboree. Mm-hmm. But it's when Nurse Crane comes in to buy a ticket and then when she oh, closes Joan. the door and everybody laughs. No, what happens? Wait a minute, I'm, we didn't get that. What happened? Oh, oh Jen, it's it was a horrible, heartbreaking scene. So the girls are in the bedroom doing their thing they do. You know, they have frighteners and getting ready. Yeah. Right? And to be fair, Trixie's been a bit of a cow there anyway because... Um, so I saw this part because Trixie's complaining about wearing the hoop skirt or the circle yeah, skirt and, and again, Barbara's and... like I want to wear a poodle skirt and she's like oh yeah. poodle skirt you can't wear without you've got, without being ironic Barbara you'll struggle and Barbara just looks crestfallen and hurt because she really wants to wear a poodle skirt um, <laughs> and I had to I had to like google a poodle skirt I thought it was like a style of skirt it's just a skirt with a poodle on anyway <laughs> <laughs> but then um so <laughs> Uh, nurse crane comes in and she's like i would like to buy a ticket for the square dance because me and my cousin once went on a square dance. it was so much fun oh okay and then, yeah, I, yeah. so she talks to them a little bit and she's quite jovial about it and then they close the door 
and they all just burst out laughing and she looks really hurt oh, outside and I she honestly... hears them laughing at her yeah oh wait a minute wait a minute wait a minute okay so that happens before they're all getting ready for the dance and then they're having a drink and everything right yeah Okay, so this is what I, this is actually important context because when Phyllis comes in, because she's um, going to go with him to the dance and everything, you know, they're offering her a drink and everything. And you can tell she feels uncomfortable about being there. There's just something yeah. off. And they kind of say like, oh, you're not, you know, you're not going to have anything. She says, well, no, I'm driving, but also like, I want to make sure I'm, I'm alert in case, you know, Paulette needs me because she's kind yeah. of absconded and I'm worried about her and everything. And then Phyllis says to Barbara, like, oh, by the way, call me Phyllis. Like, I know we, you know, it's been Nurse Crane this whole yeah. time. And well, Barbara tonight, this, right, 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 and and Barbara has this really kind of like weird, and I felt guilty look on her face, but I I, I was like, what's this about? Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense because I know Barbara would have felt bad if she had been in that, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, girls. Oh, I know. Break my heart. But just to backtrack, because I'm, I've got to correct you, Alex, because you just said that a poodle skirt was basically a skirt with a poodle on it. Um, yeah. So I think you've just Googled poodle skirt and that's it's what it's brought up for you. <laughs> so it oh says, no. <laughs> One of the most iconic and fashionable trends of the 50s era was the poodle skirt. It was bright, colourful, long, swishy skirt that hit just below the knees. Yeah, with I a poodle on. I, th I think it no, also... No, but I don't think it has to have a poodle on it. It, it does oh. not have... It doesn't have to have a poodle on it. I think it's also called poodle because of the uh, the petticoats underneath that are all frilly and everything. Yeah, so I think oh. you can have it with a poodle on it, but also... It doesn't have to have a poodle. Oh, so I'm completely wrong. So I was right in the first place. <laughs> you're not completely wrong. You're just not completely correct either. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was Google right in the first place thinking you. it was something different. Yeah. Google has just served you skirts with pictures of poodles on <laughs> Well, it's, that's going to be my algorithm now. I'm going to be like, buying poodle skirts for stuff for weddings. Yeah, exactly. I also loved Sister Evangelina's return to Poplar, the way she just burst in. Same, same. Although, her and, her and Nurse Crane started off exactly as they were, just bustling against each other at every every move. Well, but I feel like Nurse Crane is a lot more established now. Like, she's yeah. she's found her place. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, it just um, made me like when, when um, Evangelina was running for the phone and Nurse Crane is like, oh, and she was like, oh, let me get it. Like, I, I, I'm i waiting for actually a few phone calls. And she was like, nope, I'm going to answer the phone. And then she says, the you know, she says the greeting and everything. And then she's like, oh, yes, Dr. Turner, what is it? And he's like, can I speak to Nurse Crane, please? And she's like, oh, it's for you. And Phyllis just grabs the phone and it's just this perfect exchange. It's like, it's like when, um, when like Titans collide or whatever, you know what I mean? They're just both so... Well, at clinic, when this little girl's got a piece of Lego up her nose, I've, oh, yeah. I've got a story about that in a second as well. But she, but um, but Nurse Crane's like a cold compress and a, and then uh, and like says advice, and then uh, Sister Evangelina's like, "I'll do Vaseline and tweezers, thank you," and just goes <laughs> off. But um, when I was little, I was three, uh, and I put a bead up my nose, <laughs> and uh, we had to ring my uncle's doctor, and my dad had to ring my uncle, and he was in Wales, and we were up in Cheshire, and he was like, "Well, can't help you." <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean to do about it? They were like, try, he was like, try and get her to blow her nose. Anyway, I had to go to hospital. What? How did they get it out of you? I don't know. Actually, I'll have to ask my mum. But um, I think I think it did go eventually. Just like push. I think they had to push the side of it down, least, and then I, it went out. I, I mean, a bead is relatively smooth most of the time. I think. And the thing with the Lego is, I was like, you can't push it out. Like it would hurt. Like it would scrape your nose. I thought. Like 
the tweezers and Vaseline seemed like a gentler approach. Well, it would work on a bead tweezers and Vaseline because you've got the hole in the middle. Anyway, also the oh, other scene yeah. I really loved yeah. with Sister Evangelina and um, Nurse Crane was when, so Sister Evangelina has come back from operation. Anyway, they have lunch. They sat down to eat lunch and it's cheese tart. And <gasps> Sister Evangelina is like, oh, I'm not having that. And, uh, and, Sister, and Nurse <laughs> Crane was like, well, I thought it'd be really good because, you know, it's, animal matter is not very easy to digest. And she was like, cheese is animal matter <laughs> i loved it so well i've got the quote written down because it was so funny she was just like this is a quiche you know my feelings and i was like the same <laughs> those are well, exactly my feelings about you don't like you don't like quiche? quiche well no i don't love it it's the egginess of it i mean oh, you oh. know how i feel i'm allergic to eggs so obviously i don't have quiche but i just thought you'd be loving a quiche oh no. I- I well okay listen not all quiches are created equal I'll give you that but like if you have a good quiche like a really well prepared quiche I can't believe those words just came out of my mouth but like I'm just saying like <laughs> I like to me I I mean again it's like it's well it's basically just like a savory pie kind of isn't it hey it, well, we, this website is where we talk this this oh. podcast sorry is where we talk about things that matter and if you <laughs> Have a well-prepared quiche. You heard it here first. If there's a well-prepared quiche. <laughs> well, actually, wait. So I have, I do have one more very important point to make on this. So so I've obviously had on the quiche. diabetic. <laughs> yes, it's it's not it's, it's not about quiche. Um, but so I have I I was I started watching the episode and like the Paulette thing came up with the diabetes, and I was like, oh wow, this is sitting really close to home because like I mentioned about my dad. But then Sister Evangelina comes back and they're sitting at the table to have uh lunch and they say, bless us, O Lord, in these thy gifts, which we are about to receive, blah, 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 blah. But it's a slightly different version. Okay, that blessing for, at the table just there, that is the blessing that we said at our table growing up every t- every night when we'd have dinner. I, I was raised Irish Catholic. My, my dad is Catholic. My mom is Methodist. I've talked about this on the pod before. But anyways, we would always say a blessing before we ate dinner. And that is the one we said. And I and I paused the episode because I was watching it with my mom. And I said, oh, my goodness, can you hear this? This is so wild. This is exactly our one. And she was like, yes. And I said, but it's a little different than the one they say on the show. Well, shout out to my mom, okay? Because she goes, oh, well, the one that we said growing up was the version by a Scottish, I don't know, priest, vicar, religious guy, whatever, poet. I don't know what it was. But it was their version, the Scottish version, and his name was like Jeffrey Barnes or something like that. I, I apologize because I can't remember exactly who she said it was, but she I said this. Mind. I, yeah, I don't think anyone's <laughs> going to really like castigate me about that. But anyways, but she said, that's the Scottish version. She's like, this is the English version. And the one that we said was the one, you know, that and that's got imported to our household and then, you know, our community and everything. Because like all my family said that version as well. And, you know, we were raised Catholic. Well, also, but they're Anglican. I so rarely hear that in, in, I mean, in any context outside of, you know, kind of the context I know it in. And so to hear that on the show, because it was, I, I don't know, it just was such a wild moment for me. Like, I just had to shout it out because I was like. Well, just, they're also Anglican, back to my childhood. Catholic over here as well. Right, right, exactly. So I think that, I think that's another reason why they're using a slightly different version because the texts are very close. Yeah. The texts, T-E-X-T-S, are very close, but there's obviously differences and differences in translation and things like that. But yeah, it I'm just. Glad, I'm glad I don't you know. spelt texts for us. Well, I don't know. I just <laughs> never know. I don't. I, I. Anyways, not important. But like, yeah. 
just it just really took me back to my childhood and like dinners around the table with my family so anyways yeah yeah can we also talk about the cdc (laughs) well just i don't care about the cdc if i'm honest i want to talk about fred and violet oh the hottest new romance on the block right here oh i loved it who knew that possibly nylon with a metal aglet could be like a come on (laughs) oh my god did you see him just look at her with like this hello i mean it was like it was the it was the look that dr turner gave sheila when she wore the nurse's outfit except from Fred to Violet when she said, you know, about the stronger bootlaces. Also, Beck, she's so Fred right. Everyone is in her shop constantly. <laughs> yeah, they've never been there before. I love the bit where, <laughs> so Mrs. G is, I mean, she's, Violet's got an interest in Fred as well because she's signed herself up for the CDC. Yeah. Oh, yeah, she did. Um, I just love when he's um, walking around the streets and he's like, in the event of nuclear war, the local landmarks will be reduced to dust. But he just said it really matter of factly. <laughs> well, and, and also, like, going to be reduced to dust, but they'll be fine. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Because I'll be in the underground toilet. <laughs> he's explained why. God. I just love when he went to her and you could tell he like put on a nice outfit to go into the shop and he was like oh I was you know have you heard about this dance and everything like that and she's like yeah and then he's like well um would you want to go with me um a little like a uh, dosey do maybe and she's like oh go with you to the dance and he's like yeah and then she says yes and he just gets this big smile on his face oh, and it's no. so sweet Oh, oh gosh oh wait 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 and then so they walk into the dance and clearly he's just taken a shirt he already had and like sewed some fringe on the back of it but they're they're walking in together and these cubs these little snot cubs are like oh look at you guys going to the dance Ugh. and violet she said oh like, here's the lone ranger to be fair it was a good line <laughs> it was a good line but she goes oh she's like you know we're we're going to the stance and paying to go to the stance so that you guys can go on vacation so why don't you shut up and they're just like yeah, she's brilliant. and then she takes fred's arm and he just looks so pleased and they just like they just look so good together and i just was like Oh, she's already, they're just so perfect. Well, there was a bit where he winked at her as well, and she you could see her knees go weak. <laughs> oh, I love a person who winks. I love a winker. <laughs> she does. She really does love a winker. Like, there's someone, well, like, really awful, and Becky was like, oh, he winked at me. I thought, that's literally, <laughs> if anyone is wanting to, you know, attract Becky, just a well wink at me. A well-placed winking will do wonders. Yeah. Absolutely. In loves a wink. <laughs> I will say every once in a while a wink is like done correctly can be very cute. I'm not I'm yeah. not a huge pro winking person, but I will say sometimes they do get you and um you know it can be quite quite cute. Mm. Quite cute. Yeah. In my notes in my notes and uh where I've put about Fred and Mrs. G, I've just got drawn a massive red love heart. Like a child. I love it. Also, I can we talk it. about Delia and Patsy at the square dance? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Did they dance together or did they just kind of have well, to? Yeah, they kind what? of just had to go with get men to dance with or something. But they were basically saying oh. how they wanted to dance together, like in, in the open and, you know, it'd be lovely. Oh, oh, yeah. She was like, we'll find somewhere. Cause obviously, Patsy's impossibly uh, posh. posh. We'll find somewhere to dance. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was just really lovely. I just thought, oh, bless them, poor them. Are you bless not going to do Delia's Welsh accent? Oh, Cariad, we'll find somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> no, Alex, a Welsh accent. <laughs> uh, no, no, I can't. I can't do a good one either. 
And I've lived in Wales, so... Um, okay. Also, can I just say there's something else we've not spoken about? So we did kind of go up this, but um, can we just talk about as well, um, in the clinic, when you've touched on it, Bex, already, when we spoke about Nurse Crane going on about diabetes, getting annoyed with it, but she was like, pass me the Rolodex, I'm taking this in hand. I just <laughs> thought, what an iconic sentence by Nurse Crane. <laughs> also, there was another one she said to uh, to Mrs. Rowlands as well. Um, no, Mrs. Rowlands. I'm a spinster. It's the way she said it with such, I'm a spinster. She said it yes. so, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Well, and that was a really tough, I mean, that label carried a lot of negativity to it. So the fact that she just said it and was like, listen, I'm out and proud. I'm not going to hide it. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. Like, you, you can't get one over on me with any of this. Like, yeah. Oh. I already liked Nurse Crane before this episode, but this was her coming of age episode, I think. This was vintage yeah. Nurse Crane established herself now. This is her... She's here as yeah. a character that we all love now. Yeah, yeah. Well, and, and even even with Paulette, you know, she she takes Paulette into the maternity home and they're like getting her set up in her bed. And Paulette is like, oh, my mom, you know, really hates that I'm pregnant. Like, da, da, da. Like, I don't, you know, I, you know, it's a tough situation or whatever. And she says, you know, what would you do if, if, if I was your daughter? And, you know, you can tell that Phyllis is kind of like, mm, you know, but she says, well, I wouldn't want to handle it you know, she's like, I understand where your mom is coming from and the concern she has for your health. I probably would go out, go about a few things differently. But, you know, I know she's really, really worried about you. And it, it's just a very compassionate answer that's also very mature. I mean, there's no sugarcoating. I mean, Phyllis really yeah. knows how dangerous well, the truth. situation she's is. She's all about the truth, Phyllis. Yeah, she's not, she's really being honest and she's really being, you know, compassionate in her honesty. And Paulette gets, Paulette said, you know, she kind of, you know stops for a second and it's kind of a, a brief moment of of sensitivity on her part she says oh she's like yeah i understand but she's like i think i might have overstepped in asking you that and phyllis was like well you know she didn't that's the first glimmer of maturity that she showed yeah yeah the only let's be honest the only well exactly exactly she doesn't really have much else <laughs> in that regard in this episode but yeah love phyllis should we do heroes and zeros yes i'm ready i'm not My... of course okay go ahead sorry <laughs> <laughs> well you're not ready jen how unusual i mean i'll i'll yeah i know so i'm always bucking in the trends as usual my zero is gonna be paulette okay just yeah. because i have a lot of sympathy for paulette but also i'm gonna judge her just by her actions and the fact that she just didn't think she doesn't think about anybody but herself and i know she was in a really difficult situation she was being forced to have an abortion that she didn't want so that must have been incredibly difficult but the fact that she just didn't think about Vaughn's future in this mm-hmm. yeah and then my hero is going to pain me to say because I just didn't like the way she was with Trixie last week but I'm going to say it was Sister Mary Cynthia the way she just took charge at the gypsy camp yes she and was it, I just felt it was really her coming into her own 100% and also you know she's got this new um, vocation she's got this new identity as a nun and I feel like it, she totally killed it she was yeah. amazing Love it. Uh, do you want to do you want to go next to give Jen more time to think? <laughs> yeah, Jen. Right. Think about this scurrilously. Now, my zero is also I've written down Paulette, and I'm going to have to stay with Paulette because I can't think of anyone else who was worse than her. Um. So my zero is Paulette as well. I think she was immature, awful. I feel like a mum has made of that because she's yeah. right, she's done too much for her, and I get that she's ill or not ill, but in the 1960s terms, you know, diabetes is still very serious. Um, so mm-hmm. I get how that's happened. But at the same time, she just genuinely didn't or couldn't do anything or think about anyone else but herself. Um, and I just didn't like it. And I just 
she was horrible. She was a cow. Mm-hmm. Um, and I get that it's awful and it's a horrible situation, but at the same time, she didn't think about anything in a mature way. She just did what she wanted to do, and I don't like her. Mm-hmm. My hero is Nurse Crane because she is amazing. She oh, was absolutely yeah. fantastic the whole way through. I can't fault Nurse Crane. And also, to be so lovely to the girls again after they laughed at her behind her back just made me want to cry. And I just thought, oh, you are a lot more mature than I was because I'd probably like just basically leave. I would hold back. a grudge. <laughs> Yeah. I would forever hold a grudge and take it to my grave. Oh, I would, yeah. I, I, I would be angry, but more than that, I would just be so heartbroken, and then I would be like, I, I would just be like, oh my gosh, everyone hates me, and then I would feel so bad for myself, and then I probably wouldn't want to go to the dance at all, and then I would just want to be like by myself, and oh yeah, I would, oh, I would just, I would just take it so personally, be so hurt. I probably wouldn't even be angry as much as just so hurt. I'd, I'd leave. I'd just walk out, never to be seen again. <laughs> <laughs> Well, luckily for all of us, forget me, hubcaps. I'm off. (laughs) Thank goodness, Phyllis didn't do that. Um, Okay, Uh, I I came up with my list. All right, so now we've never had a unanimous one, um, and this is that technically unanimous, but I'm gonna pile on um, Paulette as well. So. Yeah, I know she's really getting in the neck, but I'm gonna context. By the way, ladies, we've just like basically all been really awful to a 17-year-old diabetic who's had to have a termination. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well, here, here's what I'm going to say, though. This this is where I'm, you know, turning it around a little bit. I am not going to give my zero to Paulette. I'm going to give my zero to Paulette's mother because all of the heartbreak that came after, you know, everything, you know, Paulette's, you know, pregnancy test confirmation, all of that, and Paulette's attitude, even from the start of the episode, is because of her mother. And I mean, yeah. I know she has a father. I know the dad is there and everything like that. But he's on an oil rig or whatever like that, off across the half across the way of the world or whatever. And Paulette's mother could have made this situation so much better for everyone. It could, she could have made it better for her. She could have made it better for Paulette. She could have saved Vaughn, you know, all of the pain and heartache that he was going to have to go through. If he had just, if she had just handled the situation with a lot more maturity thoughtfulness care compassion for her daughter than she did and the fact that she even raised paulette the way that she did and made her that entitled and made her that immature and made her that selfish ended up being a root of the problems as well so massive zero to paulette's mother just i mean yeah yeah okay i've said my piece um so my hero i was gonna do nurse crane because i love her as well and she's she's just so stellar okay but just in an in an effort to try to be a little different um i will choose um the relationship between pegine and attracta and pegine like finding the strength to get out of her deathbed and leave her caravan and walk across the field and go into attracta's cabin to hold her grand great grandchild for the first time and support her granddaughter in her 11th birth. Oh, that, shout out to oh, Tractor as well. 11 births. 11. No, thank you. 11. I mean, just. 11 I, kids. No, thank you. Oh, Lord. I, I, it. it I am I mean this so literally and so sincerely that scene brought tears to my eyes. I was crying when I watched it. I thought it was so beautiful the the way i mean we talk about it all the time this is so not new but like just the power of these female relationships that are yeah. depicted so beautifully and that one especially because you know when pekin passed and all of that and then the legacy and i mean just the oh just everything so beautiful love it 
God, love it, love it. Those, oh, it just, it just, it just moved me. It truly moved me. There we go, Hero and Zero. Good, Heroes and Zeros, ladies. Um, <laughs> I was also going to say, completely not on this uh, track, but kind of on this track. So we were talking before about female dialogue. I wanted to say one of the biggest TV shows at the moment, and I know you've seen it, Jen, is Happy Valley. Oh, yes. Um, and it's written by a woman and it stars women. But the major things people say about it is the dialogue. And it's usually the female dialogue between the two fantastic actors in that. 100%. So it's just a recommendation. If you've never seen Happy Valley, give it a watch. If yeah, you like it's... it, call the midwife. It's on Netflix in the US, I believe. And um, I'm really hoping that we're going to get to see the next new episode that aired in Britain that was like a many years later follow up to the show because the because the show it was a whole a... series gem oh whole series yeah oh god god oh yeah i it's it's such a good show and all the female characters in it are, are amazing and what else is really great is it's an intergenerational family show so there's like a grandma a mom a sister of the mom so like an aunt kind of character there's kids that are growing up that are like teenagers and young adults that are kind of in the mix as well and everything it's just a great show. Plus, it's like but, a crime drama. Plus, it's like, you yeah. know, British TV, which is always so good in my eyes. But so. it's just amazing female dialogue. Now, on the subject of amazing female dialogue, yes, we are recording a <laughs> listener special. <laughs> we are amazing female dialogue. Oh, yes. Yes, oh, we yes. are. Um, so we are recording a listener special. Now, I've put some posts up on social media. Um, but please contact us if you have any questions or any comments or anything about uh, called midwife that you want us to discuss. Um, mm-hmm. We've had some really good suggestions so far. So uh, yeah, yeah, send us all these suggestions. Last time we had to do two parts. Yeah, uh, because and this time Becky's going to try. Oh, Siri didn't understand. Then that was my watch saying it didn't understand. Uh, I understand Siri. Um, <laughs> made it. I've just made it open again by saying the same. Um, but yeah, what am I going to try? You're going to have Horlicks this time because you didn't last time because you you were held hostage outside your house. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but yeah, we're going to um, do a listener special again. So please contact us with any questions you have. Um, it's all in the in the notes. You can follow us on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, um, Facebook. So yeah, definitely Instagram. Us. Yeah, said that. Instagram. So yeah. Um, so next week you need to watch series four, episode seven. Yeah, penultimate mm-hmm. episode of the series. Yeah, Ooh, so watch penultimate. That then, Very yeah, watch smart that work. and then listen along with us. I'm sure it'll be a, another great a show a to pass. listen to. Okay to watch. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yes. We'd love to have you join us. Please do. Yeah, so thank you so much for listening and we'll see you next time. See you next week. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code Buttery. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water 
it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. ACAST.com.